Hey, it's good to be together, isn't it, church? Yeah, awesome. What a beautiful day that God has provided for us. And uh, I know many of you are putting that request in, so God has provided. And, uh, and also, I was told because there could be weather, um, that I might have to speed up my message a little bit. And so many other prayers were answered. So praise God um, right there. So God has provided. Um, today, I, I am just thankful for this church in many, many ways. But today I'm thankful for this church, for the mission that this church has. The mission that we have <laughs> is marked as you drive in, it's marked as you drive out, if you drive in or out of one of our exits, you're going to pass it because it's, it's labeled there and it, it goes like this, that we would initiate and nurture growing relationships with Christ. And I'm thankful for that because to me, the main thing is having a relationship with Jesus and a reminder for me every time I drive in that, hey, keep the main thing, the main thing. Jesus is the main thing. And, and you might think that's really small. You might think that's insignificant. To, to me, that is absolutely significant because that is absolutely what our world needs right now more than anything, let alone what I need personally. I want to grow in my relationship with God so that I'm nearer to Him, that I'm, I'm working in, in just a relationship with Him that changes me from the inside out. I want that. But man, as I look at what's going on around me, I say, God, like this is what the world needs. And so like you, maybe you've been praying and, and you've seen things that are going on. And, and I just wanted to make sure we all came together today to remember why we are together. What, what makes us, us. And why it matters that our church exists and has this mission that is so important to, the, to our world. And I think as we say, yes, it's important to the Lord too that we commit to that. And so I want to just break up our mission real quick, break it down for us and make sure we understand what that means as we say, hey, this is our church, our family, our communities. Who are we meant to be in this community? Well, the, the mission goes nurture and a growing relationship with Christ. That means that a personal responsibility is held by you, by you, not by me for you, but you have that responsibility to nurture a growing relationship with Christ, just like I have that responsibility. It's an individual thing. Just by showing up here to this church and saying, hey, this is my church family, that does not mean you have a personal relationship with God. That means you have an association with people that probably have a relationship with God. Anybody? Amen? And so when you come here, I'm expecting this, that as you show up and you say, hey, we want to be a part of this, that you own that, you know that just as I own that. But also in our, uh, our statement is this, to initiate and nurture. That means all along this path of growing in my relationship with Christ, there's gonna be things I'm gonna have to initiate, start afresh. Some things I'm gonna start and then fail in and then start again and start again. Anybody, you with me? You come around, you learn the lesson a few times. And so God it is so important that, that we know that, that God is with us, the grace abounds, His love is for us and that we can learn these lessons and grow together. Amen? And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you as a church, we're gonna, we're gonna really commit or recommit to this, two things that we need to do. 
The first is invest. This is not a sales pitch. (laughs) But I do want you to invest. Not for me, not for the church, but for you. Invest. And the other thing is invite. Invest and invite. If you had your paper with you and and you're looking at the paper, there's some things written down there and and there's some gaps there or some spaces provided. Invest and invite. And if there's more space, I would add the word repeat. If we're initiating nurturing growing relationships with Christ, we're doing this. We're investing and we're inviting, inviting God to do more in our lives, inviting the Holy Spirit to work on us. And then we're investing ourselves into it. And then we're inviting the Holy Spirit again. Come on, you with me? It's It's a process. It's a journey. And so the other things we can invest in, we can invest in serving, doing groups, classes, discipleship, be open to others speaking into our life. That's iron sharpening iron, doing relationships without holding back. That's investing. Inviting, inviting neighbors and family and colleagues and friends into conversation and do life with those people. As you say yes to being a part of this church, these are the things that we want you investing in and inviting others into. If you're doing this, you're likely initiating and nurturing growing relationships with Christ. And if you've got your hand up to those things, if you put a wall up in your life and you're doing your own thing alone, Likely you're putting a hand up to what God wants to do in your life and in your heart. And so I would, I would dare say, maybe a recalibration is needed today for you because this is an individual thing. As I finished this message and I thought, man, I've got 10 minutes to do a sermon. I'm, I'm actually gonna go 20, but when they gave me 10, I was like, I'll double it. Praise God. Um, I thought, man, this is a 40-year sermon in the making. I'm over 40 now, so, but at one point, I started making decisions on my own, probably like you. You developed this thing called preference. Say preference out loud one time. You all have preferences. I'm very aware of that. Y'all email me, tell me, walking down. Like, you let me know when the music's too loud. Come on, you know who you are. You let me know when we don't have enough hymns or when we have too many or if the, the, whatever. Like you have preferences. I get it. Praise God. You can tell me and I can handle it. I would love to know your preferences. But you know, sometimes some people don't want to know your preference. There are times when your preference doesn't matter that much. There are times when actually Jesus called you to lay down that preference Marriage will teach you that. I'm not saying my marriage. I'm saying like your marriage probably taught you that. We all have preference. When you go to a restaurant and they say booth or table, husbands, right? You know what I'm saying? And they they don't want to tell you what they prefer. You should know that, right? Beforehand. Come on. Yeah, amen. Come on now preferences just kind of come up in us. We prefer, I know when I started to get an attitude, my mom reminded me you have a preference for candy and ice cream, but I know what's better for you. And so in life, as we develop preferences, we got to understand those preferences come about in our lives, right? Sometimes through healthy means, sometimes not healthy. And so God is in our hearts and our lives and in the word is in our life. It's going to call out some of those preferences that maybe shouldn't exist there or maybe should be coming second or third in your life as opposed to first. 
And so I want to know how many preferences exist out here just to make sure that I know I'm not the only one. So I'm going to yell out some preferences um, like chocolate or vanilla shakes in a couple of weeks. Do you know what I know right now? Nothing. Because your preferences need to be shown. So I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're a chocolate person, stand up. If you're a vanilla person, stay down. If you can't stand and you need to stay seated, that's fine. Look at it now. Now look around you. Look at all the preferences. How different are we, right? Wow. Okay, now stay where you are. Very hot summer or very cold winter. If you're a very hot summer person, stay standing. If you're a cold winter person, sit down. You love when there's snow. Look at all you people. You're crazy. All right. Now we're going to do degrees of preference, okay? If you strongly disagree, you can sit down. If you strongly agree, stand up, put your hands in the air, okay? If you just slightly disagree, maybe you can kneel or get a little lower, whatever it is, all right? I'm just saying, that was not political, okay? Eagles to win the Super Bowl. All right. All right. Are you aware of the preferences around you? Are you aware? You are. Okay. Some of you are judging. All right. We got some people laying down, some cowboy fans, laying down on the ground flat, prostrate. The mountains are better than the beach. Mountains better than the beach. All right. We got some, some mountain people back in there. Some people came up from West Virginia today to join us. That's all I see you back there. All right. Uh, large gatherings are annoying. It got some, it made, notice how I made them stand up, right? Okay, very good. We know <laughs> we, this could get really interesting, couldn't it? As we voice our preferences and show, we should, we should give a preferred seat, the preferred seat to a guest on Sunday. Let's see. How many people strongly agree with that? When a guest walks in, we should give them the preferred seat. How many people agree with that one? Yeah, yeah. See the people who have names on their seat, under the seat and this, you know, okay. Look at that. Notice how there was a little bit of, are people actually gonna stand? A little bit of that, right? Here we go. Music should be louder on Sunday. Oh, oh, we got some, yeah, there you go. All right, now we're getting painful. Pastor, stop it. You may take a seat. Pastor's getting a little personal, a little personal here. But we could probably ask some personal preferences right now, and there would be some that you would just rather not stand up for. You see where I'm going with this? That when you put your preferences out for everybody to see, there's a little bit of rub where you start to ask the question, how much my preference am I really proud of, right? How much of my preference do I really want my neighbor to know? Some of you closet cowboy fans, you had some conflict going on. We don't talk about the Steelers. Jesus had a lot to say about preferences. And as I said, a 40-year sermon has been built around understanding how Jesus wants me to work 
on my preferences as per the way he set them out to be. And maybe there's some preferences that I have going on in my life. Actually, there are probably many that God would like to have a conversation with me about. Matthew 6, 33, if you guys are, we've been in the series on Matthew, if you're just joining us today, going through and studying Matthew and asking ourselves, man, is there anything in life as I follow Jesus that really needs to come back in alignment? Some stuff needs to be left alone, left behind. In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus cut through it. He said, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Speaking in in preference, he's saying, listen, you can be worried about this, worried about that, worried about tomorrow, what about yesterday, what if this, what if that? And he says, hey, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And very quickly, when you seek God first, what happens? My preference, my priority takes a back seat. Amen? And that's not easy. So I can hear those words and I can say, yes, I'm going to follow God. But when it hurts and my preference needs to be laid aside, I have to say, hang on a second. Is there another way? And what we usually do is we find a gray area, some middle ground. We say, hey, God, you want me to do that? Cool. This must be good. Like I'm going to go halfway or I'm going to do this. I might be a little bit of this and a little bit of that makes it good. Meaning I'm going to seek God in this area, but maybe not this area in my life. Maybe I'm willing to invest some time, but God, don't ask me to invest finances. Or I might be willing to give finances, but God, don't ask me to invest some time. Because then I have to rearrange what? My preference, my priorities. What I prefer to do on Saturday is this, but I can see that my neighbor might need help. I prefer to do this, but God, what have you called me to do? talking about all these things, looking ahead, and we're going to be in Matthew 20, 22 soon. And this verse really, to me, just lands this whole plane. And, and again, one that I heard, in, a verse I heard in Sunday school, and I thought, man, this is easy. And then I lived a little. Matthew 22, verse 37 goes like this. And he said to him, this Pharisee was asking Jesus, what is the greatest command? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. In other words, everything hangs on this that you would love. And the interesting thing about this is as we think about loving the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, it means exactly as it sounds that everything we have is supposed to align with our mind, will, emotions, everything in us with Him. This love that, that is spoken of is not the kind of love that, <clears throat> I don't even know a kind of love, but there's a, there's a kind of love that's described in the world today that says, I get what I want, which isn't really love at all. I get more from you than I'm ever gonna be asked to give for you. And Jesus said it the opposite. He said, I want more for you than I want from you. While you're yet sinners, I'm gonna go to the cross. I'm gonna die for you. The love that's talked about is this cherishing and endearing love. Agapal or 
agapal, this love that is described here, this love is one for God or for someone, a, a brotherly kind of love or the kind of love that you have for a candy bar when you haven't had one in a really long time and you look at it and your eyes wide open, you start to salivate and you just cherish that moment in every bite. You ever had that? No, just me? Okay. I went back to New Zealand and I was thinking about this, um, this word actually was in a study that I was doing right before I did. And I went home and there was a bunch of food that I wanted to try. And one thing in particular was my mom's scones. You say scones. I don't know why. Scones. And, and she bakes them just perfectly. And, and, and I was sitting in, in my room and looking out at the beach and she brought up the scone, scone. And, and, and she had butter on it already, New Zealand butter, grass-fed beef, you know, that, that, that she cooked the steak later. And it, it was amazing. Anyway, 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 I'm getting caught up. I'm salivating. But as she brought it out and I looked at it, I remembered there's a cherish. I cherish this moment. I look forward to it. And there's a description of this love that is meant for us to hear as disciples and followers of Christ, that when we say we love God, that we yearn for and we cherish every second that we would get with Him. And the Psalm 84, I think it is, where David quotes, you know, I long to be with you is this kind of love. To spend a moment with you is better than anything else. And so I come back to our mission. Here is a church to initiate and nurture a growing relationship with Christ that we would be in this mode of operation and living where people look at us and they see our preferences and they say this, they love God. They love Jesus. That is what it means to initiate and nurture a growing relationship with Christ and be a part of our church where people interact with us in relationship and they go, wow. Look at their preferences in life. They cherish, they adore, they long to be and love God. And my question to you, as a part of this church family, is that your life? Is that how you feel called to live? It's interesting that this, as I looked at it, actually belongs at the root of who we are as a church. And I don't know if you know the, the Brethren in Christ tra traditions or history, but the history of the Brethren in Christ goes back to this idea of preference and how we love God. All the way back to, and some of you have visited, I know, Zurich, where this preference took precedence where this preference for a changed life, not just a religion that you belong to when you were born, but a choosing to follow Jesus that would change my life took place and people stood up and said, you know what? I heard the gospel and now I need to be baptized. And the church at the time said, no, you were baptized at birth. You're a believer because you were born into the church. And followers of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus said, hang on a minute, no. The Bible actually teaches that in response to the gospel, I want a changed life. I'm gonna live like Jesus. And so I'm gonna be baptized. And by being baptized, I'm gonna align with the life of Christ. And many were, became martyrs of Christ because they stood up for that. And because of that persecution, many left 
their home country where they wanted to worship for a home where they were promised freedom of worship to a place in Pennsylvania where our brother in Christ or many brothers and sisters in Christ opened up their homes and farms and said, welcome. And then in the 1700s and 1775, there was a revival. And in that revival, this rekindling of a life changed by Christ began. And many people were baptized and they were called dunkers. And those people, the beginning of the Brethren Church started because they were baptizing because they wanted to align with Christ their whole lives. And they called themselves the Brethren in Christ. The Brethren in Christ. Because they wanted to take seriously this call to love the Lord your God with all of their hearts, their soul, their minds to the point, to this point, that they would then love their neighbor as themselves. How does that look in your life? Your Christianity, you're saying, hey, I want to follow Jesus. Does it look like Jesus is changing your life? Does it look like Jesus has preference, like God gets priority? That is the question today that I wanted to pose to us. And I see this call and I'm looking at my life and I'm saying, God, what is it in my life right now? One preference that you could call out that needs to be laid down. Maybe it's for someone else. Maybe it's for God. But God, I want you to bring that to me. And what, what I did is on your handout there is I put the five pillars that we see for our church. And it's, these existed a long time. I didn't come up with them. They belong there. They're the pillars of our church. And I would love for you to take this back to the kitchen table at your dinner time or whenever it is you sit down together as a family and just discuss them. Do we believe in these things? Do they exist in our life? And I'm just gonna read out real quickly. Believing and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not my job, that's everybody's job. Do we believe that? Two, committed to Jesus-centered living. Standing in faith with prayer as a first response. How do we practice that? Might be a good question at the dinner table. Supporting and equipping one another for individual missional purpose. Meaning, it's not about just the church doing what they're doing. I have a calling on my life. You have a calling on your life. What are you doing to figure that out? One, and what are you doing to invest in that mission that God has called you on? We're here to support and equip one another to do so. And we're called to create a culture of love. How are you fostering, nurturing that kind of culture in your home as people? And so I want to end with this. Jesus did this in John 13. Before he went to the cross, he was going to give us another image of what it means to serve, what it means to prefer others. What he did is at this meal, the supper, as he took off his outer garment, he wrapped a cloth around his waist and he got down on his knees and he took a basin of water and he began to wash the disciples' feet. He began to scrub off what they brought in with them that day, wherever they had gone and there was mud and there was
down, and he said this. Verse 15, For I have given you an example. The brethren in Christ were nothing done to you. Actually, following Jesus' teacher servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, here it is, blessed are you if you do them. If you, you know what our mission is here today is to just, and as a reminder, our calling is to live out the teachings of Jesus. You are blessed if you do them. So please, take some time this week. Don't just flippantly ask, answer that question or say, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do this. I don't want your emotion. I, I want you as a church to stop and then consider where your life needs to change and what things Christ is calling into alignment today in your life. What preferences need to be laid down? What preferences and priorities need to be shifted to align with his call on this church and your life individually? Changed lives, changed lives. It's your changed life that can change lives. Would you stand with me, church, as we pray and we recommit to our call and our mission as a church? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the history and the stories and the lives that got us to this point where we stand on the side of the hill and we talk about all the lives that were given and, and lost and taken because followers of you said it wasn't enough just to see your teachings, hear your teachings, but they said we must follow and do what Jesus asked us to do. And so we say thank you. Thank you, God, for all of those that have gone before us. We don't stand here today and think that it's anything of our doing, but God, but what you have done and what many have done to get us here and paving a way for us to stand and worship in freedom outdoors and also, God, to say, hey, we want to follow you and we can act it out. Our world sorely needs it. And so, God, we're asking for your strength God, we're asking, Holy Spirit, that you would move in our lives and our times together this week to show us how our priorities and our preferences need to shift in these coming days, weeks, and months. Because God, we want to be that, that light on a hill, standing and shining bright for the world to see and know who you are. We want to be salt and light. And so, God, we want our lives to change. We ask that you come, that you do that. You move us to change. In Jesus' name.